ASAP Elite, Achievement, Success, and Perseverance. I'm your host, Coach Penn, along with my co-host, Georgia Russo. Our next guest exemplifies what our show is all about. We are honored to bring to you excellence at its finest. Please allow me to introduce our next guest, former University of Michigan Wolverine, 1991 first round draft pick of the New York Giants, martial art expert, established Hollywood actor and owner of Bunch Time Productions, Mr. Jared Bunch. Hello, sir. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> that was good. Well, thank you, man. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate you coming out today. Uh, like I was saying before, our intent is to educate the wisdom that you gained through your experience, man, and hopefully you can change someone's day by educating them or inspiring the next brain to be the next Jared Bunch. I hope so. Um, and all it takes really is, is it takes, you got to stay focused. And one of the things that, you know, I'm, I, I just resigned from being, I was a head coach at Beverly Hills High School, uh, their football team for the last few years. Uh, mm -hmm. And I had to let it go during the pandemic. But um, one of the things I got that I've learned, the difference between high school football now and when I was playing in high school. Okay. It is almost like uh, college. You got guys poaching players from different cities, different towns, all going all around because they want, you know, they want to have that powerhouse high school. That's right. And the bottom line is, look, you have to play wherever you're going to play, and you got to set goals. And the part of the problem that I saw is that it gets a little bit tough, and people are like, "I'm out." Yeah. And and that's because you got people coming in and just like, look come, come with us. We'll make it easier for you. You know, which, you know, and, and then they look at it, look at it, it's easier. It's not about being easy. You want it to be easy, but if it's not, that don't mean you quit. That's right. It means, you you know, you just got to take care of work, got to take care of business. And this is where you learn in high school, junior high. If you don't pick those things up, it's going to be very difficult well, to do well, it. Mr. Bunch, just uh, to piggyback off that, all of this has uh, transitioned from the AAU way of doing things, you know, even with the uh, NCAA. So it, it seems to me that the top level has really came down to the grassroots level. You get what I'm saying? And implementing it that way while how they're uh, easing up restrictions of the transfer protocol and different things, you know, and making it really about business and getting these kids as soon as they can, you know, with the advent of the seven on seven passing leagues and different things. That's why you see kids coming out more ready, especially the quarterback. So yeah, you're right about that. It's a totally different thing. They're turning this intramural uh, yeah. level into a business, you know, and, uh, you know, even, but they did, they did, uh, you know, implement the advent of, uh, you know, being paid off your likeness. <laughs> yeah. I wonder how that's going to go. Oh, well, it, it's something I think that should have been implemented a long time ago. Uh, hopefully that, you know, it will take off and make some, some moves in the right direction. Uh, when I was playing, I remember being on the radio and someone asking me, calling in and asking me, did I think that college players should be paid? And I said, no, mm. I, I didn't think that they should be because I thought at that time, mm -hmm. you know, this is in the eighties that the emphasis would be on how much money I would make instead mm. of getting an education. That's why I, I thought that, but that was when the college coach's high uh, salary was $300,000. The head coach, top head coach was making $300,000 and whatnot. But now when you're making seven, 
million dollars, eight million dollars, yeah. and that's just your salary. Plus, you got all these other things going on, and the players are getting nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I think it's time for for them to to get paid or to receive. I I came up with. If you graduate, you get this amount of money. Uh-huh. If you leave early, you could have some way of, of receiving some type of money because of what you did while you were there. That's right. But Image something has to be done, I think. I yeah. think. Now, this conversation is uh, completely, you know, off record. Well, off script, should I say. But so you were there uh, the same time frame as the Fab Five. You see, I got my boys up there. No. Okay, a little I bit before. Before them. Yeah, I was before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you you are you're right. Um my I left, I graduated in 90, and yes, I think sir. they got the what was it, 91 or 92 is the year yeah. that the fresh that five went to the um the final four, went to the finals. I don't I think it was 92. Yeah, so I may be speaking out of turn, but I'm sure that you were you weren't too far removed from Ann Arbor, and I'm sure that you were in tune with what was going on there. So you saw this what we're talking about transpire as it went along. Same thing that was on a 30 for 30, you know, with uh, them, you know, uh, with, with the Nike shoes and them going down the Foot Locker on campus and, you know, seeing their jerseys and different things. So so definitely, man. Yeah. I think they started it. Yes, um, in my mind, you know, the Fab Five is what where it all started. I mean, did you see, yeah, I don't remember seeing anybody but my father and, and, and other guys his age wearing black socks. Yeah, that's right. Shorts. That's right. <laughs> You that's, talk, that's, why I, that's why I rock the ball head. I'm just gonna use that as an excuse, not as her, not as a you know genetics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, uh, I think that they started for no question. They started a, a entire, um, you know, they started something. I mean, the yes. Fat Five were you know has not been duplicated since. Not at all. Not at all. It paved the way for my for my generation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it sure did. You know, and everything that they went through. So like I said, we thank them. We thank everything that you guys did at University of Michigan, you know, uh, giving us kids something uh, in Detroit, something to believe in. And it was so many times that uh, myself and my cousins and friends, every Saturday we huddled around that television. Till this day, I don't miss a Michigan football game. I have not missed one in 30 years. Well, that's that's saying something because they haven't been playing very well lately. That's right. That's right. That's that's okay, man. As long as my as long as they're in my top son's top five of you know schools to go to, that's all. That, I did my job. You know. <laughs> yeah. It's still, uh, but you know, you know, when when I was there, we won uh, four Big Ten championships out of five years I was there. That's right. And nice. we beat we beat Ohio State four out of five years I was there. I remember. Um, we we back then I think it was the first time that that Michigan had beaten actually beaten every team in the Big Ten. That's right. Um, so we 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 you know we 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 uh, we did we had some good good teams. We had good teams. Um, my first year there, Jim Harbaugh was the quarterback. Sure was. Uh, and we had a chance to win the national championship. We lost a game at home. Harbaugh's last home game against a unranked or unranked University of Minnesota. Mm. Um, and the problem was that we could practice. Yeah. Both said, you know, I don't like the way you guys are practicing. 
I don't like it. I don't like it. And it showed up in the game. They Minnesota had a chance to win if they scored on the last drive. Mm -hmm. And they pulled it off and scored a touchdown. I can't believe it. It's one of my most memorable, even though I was a freshman and didn't play in the game, it was one of my mem most memorable because Minnesota came from across the field to get that uh, little brown jug. Oh, and they were like, get out the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that little brown jug. <laughs> get out the way. Hey, you get remember the way. Elvis Gerback and Jamie Morrison, right? Uh, Jamie played with both of them. Jamie is older and um, played two years with Jamie. Uh, Elvis Gerback, he came in my uh, fifth year. Okay. So he was, he was the quarterback uh, my fifth year. You had a chance to roll with uh, Anthony Carter too at the, at the beginning. No. Oh, receiver no. Anthony Carter. Okay. No, no. He's a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit more uh, advanced. Got a little bit many old years. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Got somebody <laughs> so, at least. Think, uh, think Harbaugh. Harbaugh. Uh, uh, Robert Perryman. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Tony Grant. Yes, sir. Uh, you know, a coach who coached at Michigan for a while, uh, Sue Campbell. Okay. Yeah. That's so, that's well. You still talk to uh, Jim Harbaugh? I have not spoken to him uh, in a while. Uh, when we both were in the league, played professionally, uh, we, we, we still talk. But, uh, you know, that's been many, many years. Um, since he started coaching, I have not had the opportunity to talk to him. Um, but I'm sure if if we ever if I ever saw him, he ever saw me, we, you know, still we're still it's like a brotherhood. Well, maybe yeah. you need to write your brother a letter, Mr. Bunch. We got <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 let's get into the interview. The crazy thing, it hasn't started yet. You know. Oh, so. <laughs> okay. All right. Yes, sir. Well, first of all, can you do us the honor of introducing yourself to our audience by explaining how you were introduced to football and your career up until you decided it was time to hang up the cleats? Yeah, I, I started off playing football at, at the age of eight. We had a little league team. Um, but before, even before that, I started playing on the street. On our street, we played all the time. And I was the youngest, youngest uh, boy on our, right? we lived on a dead end street, about six houses, had a lot of boys. Um, I had an older brother. And I was the youngest on the street. And I always wanted to hang out with my brother and, and play football and whatever, kickball, whatever, with the older guys. And that's how I started playing football. And they didn't care my size. If I wanted to hang with them, I had to, you know, so they played me just like they played anybody else. So <laughs> that was, that, hey, but I'm going to tell you right off the bat, when I start playing kids my age, yeah. It wasn't nice for them because oh, okay. they. I played against them. And it was like, oh, oh, <laughs> my! I, and I was a big kid for my age anyway. So mm -hmm. even though I was the smallest with all of the guys I was playing with, when I came to my age playing against them. It was just uh, terror. I was. Oof. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Hey, I mean, you were. Oh, you played. You six four, right? Six four, two fifty. No, six two. Everybody, but everyone thinks that I'm taller than I am. Mm -hmm. But uh, legitimately, six two. Um, when I first got to Michigan, I was uh, two hundred and 
212. Okay. Um, uh, 212. And then each year I went from 212 to 225. And then I was 220, uh, 235. And then senior year was 242. And then, um, Fifth year was 248 and played pro ball at 250. And then my last couple of years, last year was up to like 260. But uh, I always kept my weight, uh, but I was a big time weightlifter. So kept my speed. I always weight, gained weight, but I was still as fast as at the combine. I ran a 459 at 252. Um, but nowadays, that's nothing. You know, you got oh, guys. Yeah. 260 running four threes. <laughs> I mean, you were built for the three yards in the cloud of dust aspect. I, my motto is if you need three yards, I get you four yards. You That's need right. five yards, you get you four yards. You need 10 yards, I get you four yards. That's right. <laughs> That's, right. That's right, man. You know, so right now, uh, I'm a little bit, a little bit six two and three quarters, about 247 right now. So, uh, Hey, if you need a backup man or a fill-in in your acting okay. gigs, you know what I'm saying? You know? <laughs> well, see, right now, right now, <laughs> uh, all right, <laughs> you're at my weight. <laughs> Look, I'm still in, I'm still in, I, I mean, like right now I weigh 265, whatever, but, but um, uh, I'm in shape, but I tell them, they say, man, you look like you can still play. I say, no, I'm good for one play. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, Barry Mentor said the same thing when I interviewed him. <laughs> yeah, so, oh golly. Uh, so, okay, I'm sure you dominated the high school level. Uh, no, it, well, yes, yes, and no. Gotcha. The at high school, um, when I when I say yes, no, it's because yes, I played every. I started as a sophomore both ways. Mm -hmm. And I made second second team all league in all county. Okay. Um, but our team was not very good. When I was in the eighth grade, when I was in seventh grade, my brother was in the ninth grade. So when I was in the eighth grade, my brother was in the tenth. My school won their first game in five years. Ooh. That's oh. you know that's the type of program we had. They they you know Ooh. so. It was it was terrible. They didn't have a weightlifting program. They didn't have uh, you know. It was like just whatever. Yeah. It was whatever. And I, someone found me and, and said, "Look, you have a good frame, and I think that if you worked out, that you would have a shot. You could do something." And um, I listened to him. He became uh, a person that 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 showed me the ropes. His sons. They are still to this day still in shape. Mm -hmm. I mean, actually, they actually a couple of them live here in California. They're, they're trainers. And I, and I'm 52. I'm, I'm 52. They were like four or five years older than me, mm -hmm. and they are still like Adonis. Yeah, you Rip, know, ripped yeah, up. yeah, yeah. And um, so that's they've been the whole life, and being able to um, keep that mindset. Yes, sir. This is the first thing. The first thing this guy told me. One of the first things he told me is that you have to think about training like it is um, the most important thing in the world. He said you cannot ever miss. You can't stop. You got to mm -hmm. think like the devil would get. This is the exact word. He's like you got to think like the devil will get you if you don't work out. Yes, sir. 
And that's what he said. And so he said, that's the way you get to the next level. When this, oh, I don't feel good today. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take today off. Those people don't make it. He said, well, can I interject for a second with you? My father's the same way uh, with you having that rigorous exercise, you know, mentality and the need for it and importance of it. Well, you know, when it coincides with our, you know, lineage and our genetics with, uh, uh, you know, high blood pressure and diabetes, you know, that and diet is the only way to pretty much keep that at bay. You know, uh, has that pretty much worked for you? Uh, you know, and everything yep. that. You get what I'm saying? Yes. Come to it. Yeah, it, it, the, the mindset actually helps. Mm -hmm. Thinking about it, you know, my father died at 49 of a heart attack. Okay. My mother is 80 years old now, and she still walks three, four, five times a day, mm -hmm. uh, a day, a week. Yes. You know, up until, uh, up until uh, before the pandemic, she used to walk three miles every other day mm -hmm. in an hour, in an hour. <laughs> I mean, when you walk, when she walking, she walking. Yeah, um, and she's hey, today. She's eighty. She just celebrated her eightieth birthday, April twelfth. And you know, she's hard to keep up with. You know, she's hard. To, <laughs> she's hard to keep up with. So I think you know, part of it is genetics. The other part is, like I said, my father died at forty nine with a second heart attack, and me not me knowing where what happened to him, mm -hmm. but he he was a smoker. Okay. Uh, and he was a, he wasn't a fat man. He was a big man, you yes, know, big, big guy. And so me knowing that that I always had, uh, you know, more tests done during my physical because it's like hereditary heart problems if hereditary. Oh, um, and I've always had a high. I've always been on the higher level for cholesterol. Okay. So I've always and they thought as long as I exercise and work it out, work it out, work it out that will fight it naturally. So that's what I, that's why I've always been, you know, working out and, you know, and people still think, you know, hey man, you, you look like you can still play. You know? uh, I just, I'm just trying to stay alive. That's what it is. That, that's very important information. You know, to, like I say, people, you know, who grew up in areas as we did, you know, that don't get that information or the importance of it, especially with all the, uh, the negative, things that, you know, are subliminally placed in our neighborhoods in order to, you know, to cause all those things. So yeah, that's yeah. why I had to ask that question. Now, getting back into high school, like I say, uh, you had a guy steer you towards uh, the game and really building up your body. And then uh, Mr. Schimbecker called. He, yes. Um, I started getting, I, I started getting um, college letters. And the first letter, <laughs> first letter I got was from Weber State, I, you know, okay. Weber State. And I, you couldn't tell me anything. I knew where I was going to school. Where was I going to school? I was going to Weber State. <laughs> so, so when I received that letter, it was like, wow, you know, and then I really started lifting and doing, I mean, not that I was not doing it, but I started um, from my uh, eighth grade year to the ninth grade. Um, is where it really took off and it got into my mind that I really had to train. Okay. So what I started doing with, with his name is Holman, Max Holman. That's mm -hmm. the guy, the guy who started training me. And his father, I can't remember his father's name, but I just always said, you know, Max's dad. Okay. Um, but 
I used to push, do push-ups every night from Sunday to Thursday. I gave myself Friday and Saturday off, but I would do one set of push-ups, mm-hmm. as many as I could do, right? That's how I started as in the ninth grade, all right? Or in eighth grade, in the eighth grade, before I went to bed, and before I, in the morning, before I left the house. So I had to do it before I left the house. How many? I started off, it was only like 25, okay. right? 20. Um, but I did that all for four years. Okay. For four years, um, never missing. And it was one of, those, one of those things like, you know, if I missed, the devil was going to get me. Yeah, for sure. So I never missed. And I went from, you know, starting, and it was always as many as you can do. One set, as many as you can do. To burnout. It was, it was it. So by the time I was, got to my senior year, I was doing 80 or 90. One set of 80 or 90 straight. Strict push-ups. So I started off with doing 25. My senior year, at grad, I went up. Um, and my chest, I mean, one of the things with big advantage of it, doing push-ups, you get pumped. So yeah. I would always get pumped before I left the door, before mm. I walked out the door. Looking good. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, that the, the strict of thinking way of thinking helped me in all the stuff I was doing, because even, even though I was like, I started getting these the letters. Mm-hmm. I started, um, and my body was changing, and I started. I chose. Um, to go to Michigan, um, Kentucky, Kentucky because it's right there by Ohio. You know, yeah, that's the only yeah. reason why. And somebody, nobody, like I said, nobody from my area had ever gone anywhere. So when they heard that Kentucky was recruiting me, they was like, you got to go to Kentucky, man. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, okay, I'll go to Kentucky. Yeah. And then we had a friend, my athletic director, who uh, I love him. His daughter went to University of Maryland. So I was like, I'll go to the University of Maryland too as for recruiting trip. <laughs> and, then, and then West Virginia, which was not too far away. I said, okay, I'll go there too. So it was Michigan, West Virginia, North, University of North Carolina, uh, Maryland, and Kentucky. Those are the schools that I ended up um, going to see. And it came down to North Carolina and Michigan. And uh, my when Bo came into our, our house and, and told my mom that we will make sure that he gets a degree. Yep. It was pretty much uh, a wrap. <laughs> uh, uh, can I ask you a question? Once again, this is off script also. Uh, what made you choose, if you're like me, because of people like you, there's a hatred for that state down south. <laughs> yeah. You know, what, what, what made you defect, should I say? You know, so, because- I give you, it's very simple, very simple, very simple. I'm from Ohio. I'm from this small town. We, from this program that wasn't really a program, we, you know, won two games my senior year. Mm-hmm. I have never, ever, Little League, junior high, high school, rushed for a thousand yards in a season. Okay. Just a thousand yards, never a thousand yards. But, I got all these recruits, all these teams, colleges recruiting me. X, I mean, then it comes to Ohio State. Ohio State started recruiting me late. Oh, and they were like, oh, yeah, okay. And then they invite me up for a game and whatnot. And when I got up to the game that they invited me to, they started letting 
some people go up to the press box mm -hmm. and they had a list and they were like, oh, um, but no, you, you're going to sit in the stands. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, what, what, you just taking turns before I go up to the, to the uh, press box? And he's yeah. like, no, nah, let me see. And I said, am I going to get a chance to go up to the press box? And they said, well, I, I don't know. Let me look. Oh, boy. And I'm like, okay, okay. And then after halftime, there's like, okay, you can, we can, we can get you up at the uh, a yeah. press box. Yeah. So I go up to the press box. And then after that, I'm like, and they had the attitude like, you're from Ohio. You're, you're not an all-American. You're not an all-star, you know, whatever. And we're recruiting you. You, you, you want to come here, you know, you know. You're going to come here. You, yeah, we know you. So I was like, all right, good. So I'm like, hey, I'm not even coming to for official visit there. It's like yeah. I'm not even interested. You guys acting like like it's you're doing me a favor. I'm yeah. like, no. And yeah. so that <laughs> that is why another reason why I went to Michigan was like, I, and while I'm Michigan, I hope I can't wait to what we play you guys. Yeah, to show you. To you show made the right move. <laughs> Four Big Ten championships, man. Come on. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah, you did. Those, those people down there, I know you're from there. Not, not your city, but everywhere else. <laughs> hey, you know where Urban Meyer is from? He's from Toledo, right? No. Okay. From Ashtabula. He's from Ashtabula. Oh, really? How close is that to the border? It is, for Erie, it is, um, you can get to the Pennsylvania border within 20 minutes. From I mean, from Michigan border, from Toledo. Oh, 40 minutes, 45 minutes. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. Harbaugh <laughs> from that area too. Who is? Harbaugh. Yeah, but so. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, for sure, for sure. Like I say, thank you. You did the right thing. I've always wanted to ask a Wolverine that, you know, came from Ohio, because so many do, you know, uh, what pushed, you know, uh that that angle. The you know? attitude. Attitude. So, all right, so you went to, uh, you got to A Square, got to Ann Arbor, and uh, you were able to do some great things there. Like I say, uh, put yourself on a map. So, you know, little kids like me, you know, were tuning in and watching you do your thing. Uh, like I said, you had a, a pretty good career there, and then the draft came. How did that, uh, that process go for you? Well, <laughs> the draft, man, the, the whole process was, it started early because I got to go back to, when I chose Michigan, I mm -hmm. went there as a running back. Yep. But the first day, the first day, they were like, you're a fullback. They switched me to fullback straight away. Gotcha. And I was like, what the, you know, I, you know, I come in and, and, and then Alan Jefferson, who's big and strong and fast. I'm like, he's a big dude too. Why don't you switch him to fullback? Yeah. He's bigger than me, really. Alan was bigger than me. Gotcha. Uh, um, and they switched me to fullback and, and it became a problem. I was really thinking about leaving okay. because, right? And, and Terrell Burton said, listen, a, a, a good running back comes a dime a dozen, but a good fullback is very hard to find. And we only have two fullbacks on the team right now. They're both seniors. Next year, you'll be in a good position. Mm -hmm. So when I heard that, put myself in a position, say, well, okay. So I was training and to put myself at a top, fullback to be the best fullback there was and yeah. back then Michigan ran the fullback ran the ball too he That's didn't right. run it 20 times a game but he ran a good 10 times at least 10 11 12 times a game oh yeah so um I dedicated myself to that so coming into my senior year 
Um, it was Leroy Horde played fullback and tailback. So, but the problem for me was when he put him in fullback, they ran the fullback. When they wanted the fullback to be doing all the blocking, they put me. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> I form. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, Leroy came out early, and then the, my fifth year, I was there by myself. So now, whether there's running the fullback, blocking the fullback, whatever, I was there. Mm -hmm. And there's when again, one five yards, I get you four, I get whatever. But I, I, I ended up. 500 yards, what, uh, 100, uh, I had 100 carries. <laughs> oh, wow. We got 500 yards. 100 carries, 500 and some yards. You know, it was five yards. That was it. Um, and that showed that I was more than a block. Yeah, and five I yards of carry? Good Lord. Yeah. And so that's that. That's what happened with, um, uh, actually it was over 550, 560, whatever. But it got me noticed that he's more than a blocker. He's fast. And he can run. And seriously, if he says you're gonna get your four yards, he gets you four yards. Yeah, definitely. So that's what put me at the at the top of the heap. Okay. And then some teams thought that I was uh, a running back because Michigan had all so many running backs. They were looking at it like the running back. They have so many. They put two running backs in. Oh yeah. And just call one a fullback. Mm -hmm. And and so uh, some teams had me listed as a running back. Some teams had me listed as a fullback, but. I knew I was gonna go whoever needed a big back. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. But it was rough. It was rough. I I I I felt at sometimes I felt upset that I wasn't getting um, rated as a running back. Okay. Where some other fullbacks in the country were getting rated as a running back because they played both running back and fullback. Mm -hmm. But I at Michigan because we had so many top running backs only play i never lined up at running back a single time in my college career it was always at fullback oh, so you never dotted the eye never okay never never and um but going into the pros um they still said you know we, we see them as both okay some teams did some teams did you had a very highly successful uh, first season there with the uh, the Giants. Second season, my second, second season. season. Okay. Yes. yes. Uh, so uh, first, you know, with having 500 yards, and uh, like I said, I usually uh don't stick on sports on the sports aspect this much because I know you guys have answered this question so many times, but this is a little different for me because it's near and dear to my heart. Uh, like I said, you played so much, so much of a part of my childhood. You get what I'm saying? So yes, that's what that is. So I'm uh, just asking questions that I always wanted to know. You know, uh. It's all right. <laughs> yeah, that draft prospect, it's a lot different than it. I mean, brass process, it's a lot different than it is now. Yeah, but for you to go 27, you yeah. know, uh, after, you know, averaging five yards to carry, 500 yards, uh, that's saying something. Yeah, well, I, I, I was the last pure fullback to be drafted in the first round, for sure. Hmm. Um, uh, now there's not even a fullback. I mean, what is, does it exist? No, they don't get drafted. No, exactly, exactly. I think so, John Connor was the last one out of uh, Oakland that you went to. Uh, I want to say Oakland. Yeah, out of Oakland. They had one. Yeah, the right. last one that was a relatively respectable draft, uh, you know, draft pick, you know. Uh, but right. Yeah, so yeah, you got you got with the Giants the year following the Super Bowl. The year following and 
not only did was it after the Super Bowl, it was also the year that Bill Parcells resigned. Mm-hmm. He retired, and he didn't do it during the. Uh, he didn't do it right after the Super Bowl. He did it right before the season started, yeah. and so <laughs> it became a, a, a sore subject when uh, the assistant head coach was not promoted to head coach. Mr. Belichick? The offensive coordinator wasn't uh, promoted to offense, which is Ron Earhart, who okay. was the offensive coordinator and assistant head coach. They gave the running back coach. They promoted the running back coach to head coach. Who was that? And Ray Hanley. Okay, got you. Yeah, well, you probably don't even remember him um, <laughs> because he, he was a running back coach and he became the head coach and he lasted two years. Okay. And that year he came in, he came, was moved up. The uh, assistant head coach and offense coordinator, Ron Earhart, they did not get along. And mm-hmm. obviously, because uh, this guy is still on the staff mm-hmm. and he's been, you know, stepped over. And I'm the first number one pick coming in. They just won the Super Bowl. They really didn't have any, any holes. Yeah. yeah you yeah, know, yeah. Um, so they come in and it became a, a power thing. And Ray Hanley wanted to show that he was the right pick. He was the right choice for this position. Mm-hmm. Not- you, and, you and Otis, that backfield, Otis Anderson and yourself? Otis Anderson was still there. Mm-hmm. Um, Rodney Hampton, David yeah, Meggett, um, Louis Tillman. Mm-hmm. And we actually, that year, we went eight and eight. Stephen Baker, the touchdown maker. <laughs> Stephen Baker, touchdown maker. Yes, sir. yes. So he, he the the coaching staff changed. Okay. Um, actually, that was the same year that uh, uh, um, the defense coordinator. Um, that's at New England now, man. Belichick. Belichick. Belichick sure. went to Cleveland Browns. Mm-hmm. So now you lose the head coach. Yep. Lose, mm-hmm. lose the defense coordinator. Mm-hmm. And the new head coach comes in and wants to put his stamp on it. He brings in a new defense coordinator who comes in with a totally different defense. What defense was that? It's no longer in existence. Like I said, we went eight and eight and then six and 10. So. Gosh, yeah. Yeah. Off of of that Super Bowl season, good Lord. (laughs) Um, He was a guy who who was not, he was not in professional football. He was, Right, he, they, they, he, they brought him in and he brought this totally new off, uh, to, totally new defense and they switched it up and people were not happy. Yeah, we, we didn't do well. And the rest is then, then Dan Reeves comes in my third year. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, but that second year where we went six and ten, even though he was fired, we did lead the league in rushing. Mm-hmm. And that was Rodney and myself. Rodney went to the Pro Bowl. Back then, back then, they didn't have a fullback to go to the Pro Bowl. You know, mm-hmm. it's that running race, right? But yeah. that's the year that I was second in the league in yards per carry. Wow. From the fullback position. Well, how many yards position. was that? It was 500 and something. And yeah. guess how many carries did I have? <laughs> How many? <laughs> I had a hundred carries. Oh, really? You did it again? <laughs> it was. I, I, I told you. <laughs> it was so. I had, we'll uh, get you five. 
On every yeah, day. I told you. It's yeah, so, sure. I, I, uh, <laughs> Uh, four point eight yards carry, and, and back then it was it was uh, tied for the number two uh, highest yards per carry. So, and, and I did it all from fullback. I never played uh, running back. So, if but we four point two is solid these days. <laughs> yeah, so you get four point eight. Yeah, good luck. Yeah, yeah. And they knew you were running. Come on, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, one the funny thing is that uh, I broke uh, about like it was like a 39 yard run in the first or second game. Mm -hmm. And uh, after the first or second game, I was averaging like, you know, like six, seven yards carry. And one of the reporters was like, uh, well, you know, that's not going to last. And I said, I said yeah. maybe it will, maybe it won't. You know, That's and right. so my, my goal was just, you know, always get that five yards to crack. That was it. That's right. That's money. <laughs> that was, that's it. <laughs> So you, you went to Oakland and uh, so I guess the during the, the beginning of your fifth year, you just, you decided to hang up the cleats. Uh, so what happened, what happened is LA, they were the LA Raiders then. Okay. So it, I, I, I got hurt in training camp, my knee. Mm -hmm. Training camp hurt my knee. And then um, I was out for four weeks I didn't get surgery. They said I didn't need surgery. Oh, um, then I got pneumonia and I got whooping cough. So I missed another four weeks during the season. Okay. And um, it helped my knee. That was four weeks off helped because I wasn't able to do anything. So gotcha. it helped the knee. So I came back, but the knee was still a problem. And uh, went through the rest of the year at about 60, 70%. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the year, um, I had a surgery scheduled to get on my foot, got it on my foot. And then it was the same leg that I had hurt my knee. Mm -hmm. And because I wasn't able to do exercise and all that, the knee even got worse. Yeah. And then they took a test for my knee and they said, oh, you need surgery on your knee now. Oh, yeah. And now it was in May, April. And it was like, you're so close to the season right now. If we could do, if you give me, if we do surgery now, it's, we're concerned that you may have to miss this season. And they didn't want to do that. So they said, we'll do a, uh, a scope and do what's called a lateral release. And I said, wait a minute, I want to get it fixed right. I don't want just this, you know, Pat's job. And they said, no, it should be all right. So I went and got a second opinion. They oh, said, uh, yeah, you can get it fixed with the scope was called a lateral release. Okay. I got it done there then. And then um, I didn't pass the physical. Oh, I couldn't pass the physical and um, uh, went from there. The Raiders called and said, listen, we want you to come. We need you. We don't want anybody else to get you. Mm -hmm. We know you're still rehabbing. We'll do that for, you know, the first three weeks. And then 
we'll get you going. So they signed me right off the bat just to get, you know, so nobody else would sign me. Yeah, definitely. And I was taking so many uh, painkillers and, and anti-inflammatories and everything else. Yeah. And at the time I was only 26. Mm-hmm. And I thought, man, you know, how many more years, if I think I'm gonna play 10 years and this is only number four, how many more years I'm gonna be able to do this? Yeah, really. So I went cold turkey and stopped taking all medication and everything and just tried to do natural stuff. And that takes willpower, man. Yeah. Oh, but it showed. Yeah. My mind said, go here. Uh-huh. But by the time my mind said, go here, the play was done. Yeah. The guy was, <laughs> the guy was past me, everything yeah. else. And uh, it, it just kept going on like that. And, and they just said, listen, you know, we're going to have to. I came, I came to the, uh, to my locker room Wednesday morning. Mm-hmm. Come in there and it's cleaned out. Oh boy, it's cleaned out. And I'm like, well, what, what's going on? And I went to see the trainer or whatever. He's like, oh, go see uh, so and so. I go see the the, the uh, general manager. He's like, yeah, we placed you on waivers. So that's how I found out. <laughs> so uh, yeah. Then I had to find out I had to I had to go to work and do something. Yeah, understood. So so now you're uh you you enter a crossroad type scenario. So I want to take this experience that you had and apply it, use it to apply it to the regular person, you know, everyday working labor, you know, uh type scenario. What advice would you give for people that change that want to change their careers? but are reluctant due to risk of wagering priorities. You get what I'm saying? Yes, yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna tell you this, I'll put it to you like this. Change is gonna occur, period. Now you can either make some adjustments or not, but the change will come. And all the time that you're doing this, and I found this out through actual experience, your bills are still running up. Yeah. Uh, Things still need to be paid. Things still need to be taken care of. Food still needs to be, you know, eaten. You still have to take care of things. Definitely. And no matter how much you think about it, something has to be done. You got to make it, a choice. It adds a, it adds a, it adds an area or a mindset of trepidation, you know, and uh, so definitely, yeah. So. Yeah. So you have to. You got to do something. And I thought, man, it's, it's scary. It's scary because it's, you know, some people always talk about, you know, how can players lose so much? Or the fact of the matter is if you have a, a fixed expense of, let's just say, you know, let's say $10 fixed mm-hmm. expense and you're, you're making $1 a month, it's going to take you 10 months to get to fixed expense for one month. So what, what, how, is, how are you going to do that? Exactly. Exactly. So that's the simple, simple fact is you got to do something and either you got to get those fixed, fixed expenses down mm-hmm. or you got to find a job that pays you more than what your fixed expenses are. And when you're playing professional football and getting paid that much, you don't just start off a regular job getting paid that amount. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm a, in, in my situation, uh, this was what a friend of mine kind of came to me and asked for advice 
a little while ago. You know, he's in a situation where he can currently take care and provide for his family, but he's being well underpaid. But if there is other alternatives to go to places. But one thing that, uh, that, that his uh, career has in his position with this company is a good, a good cultural, uh, what should I say? It's, the culture is good. You know, uh, he gets along with his managers and friends and they respect him and everything. But he's been in positions where he wasn't, you know, when he was just a number or, you know, uh, looked at differently, especially in different scenarios when he was the only African-American because of his, uh, you know, because of his career status. You know, so uh, I, I figured I was going to ask you that question, you know, for him. You know, uh, do you risk you know, the, the comfort zone and being able to sit there and be able to take care and provide for your family, but, you know, but not receiving the compensation and what you're worth, what you're worth, or do you go take a chance on another company and it, you may not experience the same thing? It could add a different mental, you know, aspect to it, it. I think it depends if you have, if it's just you, compared to you and your wife and you have family mm -hmm. or it's just you and your wife or you and your wife and you got one child or whatever, you have to figure out how can I put a plan together that's going to either set me up for three months or two months, right? Okay. So say, I'll, I'll continue to do this, but I'm setting up, you know, putting away some money or whatever so that I can leave this. Uh-huh and venture out into another situation. And I have a cushion yeah. that can take care of the stress because stress can be a, a killer. Definitely. Right? So while you have the job, try to set yourself up for a future and, and put, away, put away something or, or try to put yourself in a position where you can, you know, you got a three month cushion or a couple month cushion that when you make that transition to try to do something that's better for you, just mentally, right? Because you you, you want to it's it's a drag on you that you where you are if it's a if it's a drag on you where you are uh -huh. and you know this this cannot be it. It's got to be something better than this. Mm -hmm. Then you should start setting yourself up for it. Okay. And make the move. Try to make the move, but don't make the move until you have a cushion or something that is there that if anything happens, yeah. you've got it. You've got three months or whatever. And if it's going to take you, you know, how many years to do it, that's, that's, that's the, that's what you have to do. You have to have the cushion. Yes, sir. That's, that's priority. Now, Giorgio, you, uh, did you want to fill in? Oh, I was just going to say the life raft. That's what, that's what we call that, you know? The cushion he's talking about, yeah, you got to build a life raft, yes, so that you can transition and you know not be. It's not as much of a risk because you really can't, like you said, stress. You can't function full capacity when you're that stressed out. No, right. You know, uh, so that's all I was going to say about that. Yeah, like go ahead, Mister uh, Bunch. The the reason why I know that is because I didn't have it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I did not have the life raft. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us, I'm talking about people my, yes, my color, yep. we, don't, we, we are not taught that. We are nope. not taught, literacy. you know, yes, 
No, what we, what we, you know, what I came up is like, you know, you pay your bills and you move on, you know, you make enough money to pay your bills and move on, right? So mm -hmm. when you don't have that and you haven't been taught, and when I say taught, I mean that you are not living around it. We yeah. actually, you know, do the things that we are, you know, we see them most of the time. When, yep. I, when I grew up, I grew up, um, my father and my mother, my father worked in, in, in the factory, made good money. I mean, mm -hmm. back then he was making good money. He didn't, my mother really didn't have to work, but she did. Mm -hmm. We had a house, we had a couple homes, whatever, but it was pay the bills, that's it. Mm -hmm. Get the money, pay the bills. Nothing was put away anywhere, right? It was just about paying the bills. So that's what I grew up with. Yeah. That's, that's usually the commonality in our neighborhoods. You yes. know, and the the uh, with the subtraction of financial literacy there, because you know they never had an opportunity to build that life raft or create any generational wealth. Right, there was not. Right. Yeah, right. It, it leads to that. You know, so so definitely. The, right. the, uh, the sad thing is that the sad thing is that we could have. Yeah. I mean, you know, what I mean, like we growing up, we could have put a, and did a life raft, mm -hmm. right? But nobody told us about that. Nobody, nobody told my parents about that. Yeah, and right? that's the uh, that's the information unequally distributed aspect. Right. Yes, sir. So, how did all of the ethics that it took to be successful in football play a part in transition in the martial arts and entertainment? Because uh, it, it was very helpful in the fact that I had to work hard. Like you know, when I talk about those push-ups that I did for mm -hmm. four years. Uh -oh. That was a dedication, and, and, and when the Holmans, Matt, Mark and Max Holman and Kaiser Holman was telling me you had to think about, um, you know, the devil's going to get you if you don't do it. it. It was all a mindset then that now going into business or going into acting, entertainment, you have to go with the same mindset that you're trying to get things done with the same focus that you had when you're trying, you know, trying to play football. Yep. And because of all that training in football that I saw how hard they had to work, but it was worth it. Same in business, man. If you do a lot of hard work, you control it. You can make some big, you know, now, of course, you know, in football, we don't win every game, no, no, right? No. So in business, whether you worked hard or not, sometimes you're not gonna win every, you know, interaction that you set up with. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, but you cannot let it be the distractor. It can't be the thing that, and look, and I'm talking, I'm saying it, but I'm also preaching to myself too. Yes, sir. You know what I mean, <laughs> because yep. it's, it's, it's like a daily, daily thing, always working on something. It's like, why am I working so hard for this and still not working? You know, that's why I, I, I got out of entertainment. I was working for so many years trying to get, you know, a lead role and trying to get a regular job on a, a, a regular character of a regular TV show, whatever. Mm -hmm. And it just took so long, it's like, oh man. And, but you just gotta keep working or, you know, or switch, switch and do something else. Yes, sir. So uh, you decided to, uh, let, let's go to the jujitsu because uh, I just think it's amazing. Like I say, in uh, everything that football entails, all the hard work that it takes to gain closure, like I say, or be elite, you know, in my, in my experience, it, it translated into my 
experience as a soldier, as an infantry soldier, or uh, when I was, uh, you know, interviewing for jobs or, you know, trying to gain a reputation or in those first 90 days, you know, uh, of a job that make or break you to attack things from that angle. You yeah. Know? Uh, well, jujitsu was, was one of those things. It still is. I still teach mm -hmm. still, you know, as much as I can. I just had, I just had another knee surgery last Friday. Oh, so boy. yeah, I <laughs> just had surgery. Um, but it was one of those, jujitsu was one of those things that, uh, after I did the Don King story, mm -hmm. I played George Foreman. Yep, yep. A lot of people thought that I was a boxer. Mm, you look they didn't, you know, people didn't know that, that who I was. Yeah. They thought, oh, they had a real boxer. So some people thought that this was this fighter. And then they found out it was, oh, it's Jared Bunch. Oh, right. And when I got injured and, um, and had to stop playing football, one of the things that I did to try to re- uh, rehabilitate my knee was martial arts. And I started doing Tai Chi okay. and Judo. Yep. And all those things got me really strong. And so people started putting it together. Oh, he does. And they start thinking that I was doing this Judo to fight or learning Judo or whatever, learning Tai Chi. Or but it was all for my strengthening my muscle of my knee. Okay. So when they saw the, the Don King, uh, me playing George Foreman, and then they knew I did martial arts. A guy calls me up and says, listen, how would you like to fight in an MMA fight? Be the headliner, pay-per-view, you against another football player. And he told me how much I was going to get paid. I said, yep, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> I said, let's do it. And he said, he said, okay, I'll call. So he calls the other guy, and we, they set up the thing. It's a pay-per-view, king of the cage. Um, for which is you know they're still around king of the cage uh -huh. and it was pay-per-view and they did it in cleveland ohio it was at the time uh, it was in uh it was uh 2005 mm -hmm. 2005 and um uh i ended up losing uh i didn't know what i was doing yeah, yeah. i was it was a, it was i was getting paid and i would just take the money yeah. um and the guy says, oh, you're fighting uh, Michael Westbrook. And it's like, oh, yeah, cool. Hey, what up? The receiver? The yeah, receiver yeah. Colorado? Yes, yes. Remember, he, yeah, he, he had, caught that he, ball. He, yeah, and he, he yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so um, he had a, he, they said, well, he knows jujitsu. Mm -hmm. um, so we're going to put you with somebody who knows a little bit jujitsu, but you should, you should be all right. You should be all right, you know, to get with this guy. I was training like three times a week, you know, for like five weeks. And um, didn't know what I never, never got into a cage, mm -hmm. never, um, you know, did an MMA, did real MMA until that night. Yes, sir. And I got in there and didn't know what I was doing and was thinking that he was going to try to wrestle me or whatever. Mm -hmm. I never punched him. I never threw one punch. Oh, boy. Because <laughs> I'm thinking like, oh, he's going to try to, he's going to try to, you know, and I was training with some black belts and. The black belts weren't able to do anything with me. So I'm like, hey, he's not even a black belt. I know, yeah. I know. So I tried to get him and I uh, went to take him down. He got on my back and he got me in a choke. Yeah. The rear so that's, how I, that's how I lost. Yeah, that but real, that real said, mount. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> so but then I said, let me find out what this is all about. Mm -hmm. What's this jujitsu, right? Because I know this, I can beat this. Come on. Brazilian jiu-jitsu though, right? Yeah, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Yeah. I said, no, I can beat Like, I, I was fighting against black belts and didn't even know what I was doing, but I was doing well. Yeah. So I started training jiu-jitsu 
and I fell in love with it. It became like learning a new language. Mm-hmm. I was able to continue to keep my strength. Yeah. And I, it was making me, it was better for my knees. I was able to bend and, and do a lot of stuff that I wasn't able to do before. Mm-hmm. And it was healthy for me. Okay. And I loved it. I was doing going every day, sometimes twice a day. And then I started competing in tournaments. Mm-hmm. And I was winning every, I was winning all the tournaments. Uh, so I started white belt. And then I, I won white belt, blue belt. Purple belt, brown belt, they got black, and I was winning the Pan Ams. I was winning the Worlds. I was winning the uh, U.S. Open. I was win- every time I was fighting, I was winning. I would go to Brazil. I fought in Brazil, won the inter- international match senior, and I started at 36. Yeah, I read that. All right, all right. and I was fight, but I wouldn't fight my. I would fight against 18 and over. Yeah, I would fight the adult division, mm-hmm. and I was winning all of them. Yeah. So I was like, okay. Whooping them young boys out there, whooping them young boys. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yes, yes. And so that is what I just, and I got my black belt in four years. Mm -hmm. And and it's just been, uh, it's like learning a new language. And it's it's been so helpful. And it's, it's, um, you know, I like to train anyway. And this is the one I started tearing muscles from lifting weights yeah and not from trying to be mr hulk just regular lifting you know and i tore my my pec completely off just from a regular that's that last rep and the doctor said listen you you know you're 45 at that time it was 46 years old Mm -hmm. you 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 know you can't be doing what you used to do and so i just said you know i know i do more of bands i still just do my jujitsu and and try to stay as healthy as i can but i mean my i got knees hips shoulders but when you look they nobody knows you know yeah, you, sure. you know you would know that i got a problem with it yeah because i'm always i'm not gonna uh, as long as you stay active okay it won't lock up yeah, pretty much. That's how it works. Yeah. You know, hey, <laughs> anything that's not growing is dying. There you have it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I heard that from uh, Reverend T.D. Jakes, Bishop Bishop Jakes. And that that's so real. Uh, my mother passed, you know, from a heart attack, but she pretty much completely stopped being mobile for years, you know, and just declined, declined, declined. So that's a uh, that that's great information. I'm not going to hold you too much longer, but the, the conversation has been very organic. You know, so uh, yeah, I appreciate been talking it. a lot. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm just gonna ask you a few more questions, man. But they're powerful questions that can really, uh, you know, affect someone else. What kind? So you decided to get into uh, get into acting. What kind of adversity have you faced being a black actor in Hollywood, brother? When I first started, it was it was it was different than it is now. Right now is the best time that it has ever been for male actors of color. They're, they're getting more opportunities, more shots, more things. When I first started, it was like, um, there's a little few spots and every time you went in, you saw the same guys. You were competing against the same guys all the time. Um, so it's, it, is, it was rough. It's, it was a hard thing. It's, I tell people now, it's rough, it's hard. 
you, you gotta you gotta work it. You gotta be ready to you know take a lot of no's. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's not always about the best actor, for sure. The best actor is not always the person that gets the job. Definitely not. It is a person that that you know fits the mold and what they're looking for. That's in life. Period. Period. Yeah. So yeah, you have to work twice as hard. Everything that comes with that those, uh, that, those analogies, I, I get it. I get yeah. it. But you sustained. You sustained. You try. Yes, you do. You do what you can. You do what you can, and you make adjustments. And that's what football, man. I mean, that's how football helped. Exactly. When a play is called, it doesn't go exactly how it's written up on the board. And but you adjust. You make adjustments on the roof. Boom. All right. And then the next time we call that play, we anticipate, mm -hmm. and you make the move. So same as an actor. You try, you, you know, you prepare, you go in, you do your best, you make connections, you make relationships, you build relationships, and then, you know, you have to start doing stuff your own. Yeah. That's what, you got to start producing stuff on your own and uh, try to make it happen. After a while, you know, especially in your life and a lot of us that, uh, you know, reach a certain moniker career-wise, a certain level, you, uh, the adversity is expected you know, and included in the plan, you know, uh, because you face so much of it. I mean, you, you come in, you, you know, you, you're, you're the man, and but then you're a fullback, you know what I'm saying? So, all right, I got to accept this fullback role, but I'm about to work and I'm about to be the best fullback five yards, five yards to carry, boom. You know what I'm saying? And I took that, all right, rewards, 27 pick of the draft, first round draft pick, boom. You get what I'm saying? To coming, all right, jujitsu, I'm just working out and you know, here comes some adversity uh, from my knees. Just trying to get my knee better, and then boom, Lord provides. You know, so <laughs> yeah. So then you go to Hollywood, but now you have a certain moxie about yourself. You know, that's the the, the confidence, understanding that you're going to face a certain level of, like I say, trepidation and and struggle and obstacles. But you know, you'll come out of it because you always do. That is that is the mindset. Yes, sir. That is the mindset that no matter what, you have to persevere and come through it. Um, if the mindset is that, bring it on, man. That's now right. that's not, you know, bring it on. Cannot be broken. Yep, that's it. Yes, sir. Don't want it, but ain't afraid of it. Yeah, for sure. Don't want it, but ain't afraid of it. That's right, that's right. So what do you have going on now and what advice would you give the 23 year old Mr. Bunch, uh, you know, today? You know, I would say this, don't be afraid and sometimes it's gonna hurt, okay. but you gotta keep on. Don't allow the breaking to break you, That's right. you know? Don't allow it to break you. We all get it. We all have problems. You may think that you see someone that always gets the, he always wins. He always gets something you don't know. You don't know what, he, what you're not seeing. Yes, sir. So don't try to compare yourself to, to, to this guy or that guy because they've compared themselves to somebody else. Don't worry about that. That's not the important part. The important part is whatever you're going through, you got to remember, you're going through it to move through it, not to stay. Yes, sir. That's it move through it so this will be our question of the day uh what is your feeling on kaepernick not getting a sincere opportunity 
And do you believe him not receiving that opportunity opposed to if he was given one would have a greater impact historically? I answer this question like this, because I know I know a little bit about it. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if he didn't get all the opportunities because he got some that I don't think that he he it was better for it. It, it turns out it's better situation for him now mm -hmm. than it would have been had he taken those opportunities that he had. Agree. So that's the way I, <laughs> I, I, I feel it because I, I asked this question because people, uh, you know, people in our culture, they push so hard, you know, Tebow got a chance, you know, they, but they still never gave Kaepernick. But I, I just think, like I say, with him not getting uh, another opportunity, it, it's so much profound, so much more of an impact 50 years from now, kind of yeah. like the Muhammad Ali theory. Yes. You know, they hated him then. Yes. You know, yeah. Yes. So, yes. Yes. Yeah, that's why I asked that question. Yeah. In, a, in I, terms I, of him getting the position. Yeah. And I think that he understood that too, because uh, somewhere where he could have gone, his impact would have not, it wouldn't, it would not have been what it's going to be now. Yeah, definitely. What has been continued continuously. Think about him going somewhere right now. Well, then what? Then they'll be like, oh, see, okay, well, he's back on, he's he's back on the team. Everybody can, everybody can stop now. It's like when 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 Barack Obama was president. Okay, y'all got a black president now. Okay, now everything's cool. There's no more racism. That's right. Yeah. Like, come on, man. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I, I had to ask this question. <laughs> Because it's looking from a different perspective, but into the future. You know, he got a job and he comes back. This is a job. This, you, you know, for certain that this isn't something that you can walk away from for two or three years and come back. No. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. It's a you kid who's locked in. Uh, so, you know, this hand-eye coordination is at a certain level, and when that goes, it diminishes. You know what? <laughs> yeah. So it would have. I think it would have tainted the whole story. Right. right. There were so many people who have been looking for him to fail anyway. See, I told you. Yep. See, see, all that, all that arguing, all that arguing over him. And look, yep. no. this is why he didn't get a chance. Right. That's what that's what saying. that would that would be the argument there. Yes, sir. <laughs> yep. There you go. Oh man. Well, hey, Mr. Bunch, I just cannot begin to tell you how grateful and how thankful I am. Uh, this was maybe the best birthday present that I ever received besides the ones my wife gave me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, those are all great, boo. Yeah. But yeah, this is, it, it really, you know, gave me the, uh, the motivation and inspiration I needed to continue on and to make my platform an ASAP elite a success. You know, I'm going up against some giants, man. I'm understood that I'm going up against a uh, Brandon Marshall, you know, uh, Matt Barnes, you know, I'm going to get you know, some, some, you know, some big guys out there, you know, and I have to contend with them. Uh, but you gave you give me the inspiration, man, and the motivation that I can go and conquer anything. So I, I really appreciate you. Well, I, I hope that this helps a lot. I hope it helps help in any way. Um, I love the fact that that you're doing it. I love to be here and give you. I talked a lot, but <laughs> you're supposed to. This place you're supposed to do it. 
<laughs> yes, sir. You know, I'm, 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 I'm praying for you. Hopefully, you do, you know, you do well. So, um, yeah, I hope you enjoy the show. And like I say, every show is based around educating. Yep, sir. I got you. Yeah, I got you. Show. Hey, thank you so much, and welcome to the ASAP Elite family. Sir. Thank you. A very, it's a pleasure, man. Nice to meet you. Your success. Nice to meet you too. Thank you. Take it easy. You know, talk to a guy who, like I say, it was so much more than an athlete, you know, who had a different perspective yeah. and a different way of attacking life, you yeah. know, and uh, would not be pigeonholed or the limitations. There were no limitations, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The, and that's what I like, the taking away the shut up and dribble aspect of it and, you know, just showing our audience that, you know, it, everything can be conquered if it's strategically, you know, uh, planned. You know, yeah. uh, right. I think another thing that was continued throughout everything he was saying is, you know, like he learned in football, the harder he worked, the more success he found. And he applied that yes. principle and that mentality to all the different things that he ended up doing, acting, yes. jujitsu. Now he has a production company. Yep. Uh, and that's all, you know, amazing. Yeah, for sure. Fearless. Yeah. Well, my brother, Giorgio, thank you. You did a wonderful job. Uh, I didn't do much, but yeah, uh, you're welcome. You yeah, yeah, you're looking real me. good. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I just, yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, brother. Uh, thank you, man. Look forward to working with you in the future. Uh, oh. Hey, we're signing off, brother. We'll talk to you soon. All right. All right. Cheers.